Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get ready to rumble. I always want to do that. Anyways, it is Thursday night. It is insanity night because uh, that's all this show becomes, especially with tonight. We've got a two-for-one special. Uh, you get an entire two intellectual people. Um, you can decide who they are, but it's not me. I'm completely out of the running. I'm just some guy who has a computer and a camera, and I just scream at people online. But, hey, you know what? Uh, you know what? We'll duke it out. You know who's going to help me duke this out? My my good buddy, uh, chair of the Oklahoma Libertarian Party, chair of the Libertarian Party Veterans Caucus, and just a guy sitting on a chair. Mr. Will. <laughs> that, that is true. That is true. I feel like now you made it sound like, honestly, they should fight. And uh, I'm here for it. I think they could do it for something. At the very least, debate. But no. This is going to be a great show. We're excited. These guys hail from Northern California. And uh, well, wait a minute. Actually, I'm not positive about that. They both hail from California. That's for sure. And uh, they're both libertarians, but not real ones. So they qualify. Well, they can fight for California supremacy. Which part of California is better? I mean, to be fair, anything outside of California is the best part of California. But um, they can fight for, like, the inside part that nobody cares about. (laughs) And you know what else nobody cares about? Just kidding. That's terrible. But please visit Chris Bai for Alaska's congressman. It's time Alaska.com. Actually, we all love and care for Chris By. We want to get him elected. The only I hear he's pretty. There is. I hear he's pretty gangster. He is pretty Libertarian gangster. Party Veterans Caucus, leading libertarians to veteran issues, leading veterans to libertarian solutions. Uh, go check them out. They got a Discord, a website, Facebook group, all the good things. Yes, sir. You should also check out TollerForKY.com. People over politics. James Toller's running for state house in Kentucky. And he's helping us keep the lights on. We should get him elected like all the beautiful libertarians out there. Go find us on all of these platforms. Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Twitter, Anchor, and Spotify. We've got some other ones here. Mm-hmm. Go to notarealpodcast.com. You can get the merch on there. It's You can get this shirt on there. This one. Not this exact one I'm wearing. It's it's pretty sweaty and stinky. You should but. sell that one though. People would pay for that. You should auction it off. Exactly. They wouldn't. They wouldn't. They would pay for me to not send it to them. That's what. The, that's what that is. I don't know, man. People are weird these days. You sell a lot of weird stuff. That's that's fair. People sell pictures of their feet and make money. Chris Bai's gonna be on the show again. Hell yeah. Anyway, is he? that's what Jenny G- said. Oh. Go to electionalibrillion.com. Redemptiontactical.com. Hit that link. Jenny's going to post it in the comments because she's awesome. You know what else you should do? Uh, We talk about it every week, but go to Carden for Kate Carden. 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 I'm struggling. Cardenforcurrent.com slash donate. This time I'll ask Support libertarians running for office. There's this guy in Oklahoma. Chris Powell, he always talks about how candidates drive the bus. You know, all of us behind the scenes, the organizers and stuff like that in the parties. Doesn't really mean much. People remember the candidates. They remember those names and those faces and campaign signs. So vote for libertarians, support libertarian candidates. 
and we should go ahead and bring on a libertarian candidate and our other guest kelly and zach what up fellas what's going on guys oh kelly you're muted hey what's going on everybody how are you not bad at all man so since you are a second time guest we're gonna make you like sit sidelines you're gonna be on the bench this this whole round so basically you're just observing only speak if spoken to and uh we'll let you know if we need you i'm just wow that's that but, sounds perfect. Three white guys telling a brown guy to go sit in the corner. This is the textbook, you know. <laughs> I've been trained and conditioned for this my whole life, guys. I was we're fine. Only half of you, only half of you has been conditioned and trained. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but you brought on you brought on this guest and uh suggested him for a reason. So you understand, Zach. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what got you into being a libertarian in the movement. Um, so I'm a, like I said, I'm in California. Kelly's down in Central California, like almost Southern California, basically, uh, down by LA and Kern County, and then I'm up by Sacramento in the northern part. Um, but I'm actually uh, trying to start my county affiliate here. Uh, it's Yolo County. And uh, yeah, it's YOLO, and yeah, a lot of signs get stolen. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, um, I've been a libertarian for forever, forever. Um, I watched the party from the sidelines for a long time, and uh, just joined up uh, about two years ago. So, that's awesome, man. Welcome to that part of things. I'm the exact same way. I came to my first actual convention in 2020 and uh yeah it's different it's easy it's easy to just watch and then you kind of don't realize that like there's all these places to be plugged in that they need help with and things people need uh you know activists for that's basically where i found myself is uh kelly's buddy matt got me in matt is like one of the best recruiters out here uh he will call you and text you until you join or you block him uh, Matt, Matt is crazy. I love it. Um, but he he just basically asked me like, "What do you want? Like, what do you do? What could you do?" And uh, I've always wanted to be a writer, and so uh, basically, Matt just let me go crazy. And now I'm chair of a couple committees and writing press releases, writing campaign speeches, like all all kinds of shit. So it's been fun. So what you're saying is Matt would hit you up at 3 a.m. like, hey, girl, you up? You ready for freedom yet? Always. <laughs> Always. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. I'm like for like well over a year before I finally gave in. Dude, it's hard to find riders, too. Let me tell you, in our party, uh, we, we've given a couple people shots at it. And it's just hard to find people who can consistently produce good content. And, you know, understand, like, you know, grammar enough to get by and that kind of thing. So you're you're a rarity in the in the movement for certain. Um, I, I can say that there's a lot of guys that do uh, a lot of different types of content. The majority of people are meme makers. Uh, I am incapable of doing that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm an old man at 38. I need a typewriter. Like, <laughs> Fair. So, so, go ahead, so I'm going to 
I'm going to ask you a couple questions. First off, uh, are you a flat earther? And if not, you're already much better, better than the other writer we had on here, Jack Casey. And two, um, so you, you do publish short stories. Uh, so what kind of short stories do you publish? Like, are they, you know, like just give us a kind of a brief synopsis of what you're, uh, what you're pushing out there. Um, so the majority of the stuff that I write is, um, uh, I would say like com societal commentary, uh, like short essay form. Um, and then I've done a couple of, uh, like, I think they call it micro fiction where it's like as few words as possible to try to tell a story. And, uh, I've always been fascinated with, uh, how intertwined cowboy culture and freedom are. And, uh, so that's been a topic I've, I've chased down. Tell us more about that. What, uh, elaborate on cowboy culture and freedom and the connection there. All right. So, uh, a legit old cattleman, out in the out in the hills by himself with his dog and his horse rounding up the cows providing all of his own food taking care of the entire herd taking care of all the land around him uh the dude's living the entire responsibility end of everything hmm. and uh at that moment uh there's literally no person freer in the country than that dude <laughs> Would that fall yep. just as the cattleman, or would that be more of like a rural America thing? Because I think you see that in a lot of different aspects. So I, I'm never been a cowboy. I've always been fascinated with that shit. But I, I was a farm foreman for about ten years, and uh, that rugged individualism that America used to celebrate is uh, still alive. It's just hidden. Yeah. Yeah. We got to find it. What about like homesteading? Are you into that kind of thing, or read much about that? Um, so, uh, I get like bored and go, I have ADHD real bad. And, uh, at one point, uh, Oregon state university was starting to, uh, form their ag classes online. And so I got into some permaculture, uh, and, uh, like homestead design kind of stuff for free through them. Like some of those programs are like insanely expensive now. Uh, but I got to be like a beta tester and, uh, take that stuff early. Uh, but I used to work on an organic farm and I've always been kind of fascinated with that stuff. Uh, like Joel Salatin came and spoke at our, uh, California convention. And that dude is in Pennsylvania. He's like the guy who wrote the book on everything when it comes to sustainable agriculture. Uh, his, one of the, my favorite books he wrote is, uh, everything I want to do is illegal. So. Sounds like a cool guy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, most states it's illegal to collect rainwater anymore for like for use in your home. So uh, yeah, that is crazy. Um, so I do want to propose a, a question to the group. Um, I'm just I'm, I'm going to do. Uh, let's go wild with it, right? I'm I'm feeling froggy tonight. So give me a prediction of the next few months. So this is an election year. Um, it is the midterms. Um, I do kind of want to see, cause we got a bunch of different opinions here. So we've got a candidate, um, who's running for a, a local office. Well, actually we got two technically cause Will is running for a local office as well. Um, so we got Kelly, we got Zach, who is a writer. Um, we've got Will, who is a chair of a state party and a candidate. I, I want to know what do you think your prediction is for the next few months down the road? I'll start with Kelly. 
I'm not going to tell the the half black man to shut up and sit down. I want him. I want to hear his voice. Yes, I do. I, I can sit where I want on this damn bus. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh man. So, you know what I think is going to happen is I think things are going to get incredibly expensive over the next several months. And then what the dem- what the leftist in charge will do is like a, a hail mary is they're going to pass a whole bunch of stimulus like probably eight to ten weeks before the election to try to carry people through that time as if that's going to be their hope. But I think anyone who who lives to paycheck to paycheck is going to probably be in some trouble. Um, anyone who doesn't know how to make any extra money is probably going to be in some trouble if you don't have the means to trade for stuff. Like it's, it's the simplest thing as eggs, eggs, bread, and milk. I mean, holy shit, dude. Like you need those three things to make anything. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that's what's going to happen. I think like, I mean, like I live and Zach lives right next to Sacramento. He's not going to be affected the same way that somebody who lives in a real rural part of the state is, you know, but so it, it, as always though, it's going to affect the poorest people are always going to hurt the worst. And it's not going to just be because they can't afford it. It's going to be because they're not included in the planning of it. So they're just not going to have the means sent their way. Mm-hmm. I think, can I, can I go ahead? Yeah. Go for it. I, uh, yeah, I think that I'm going to propose an alter- alternative to that just because I don't really want to predict, but like I could see this happening. So I think that it's a possibility um, that things just kind of get really expensive exactly like you said, but instead of us having like a full on recession or depression or anything like that, I think we're just going to have to stop having financial growth, which means people aren't going to have luxuries anymore and things are going to be just way more tight for everybody. And, you know, kind of like steaks disappearing and groceries disappearing slowly, things are just going to get worse and worse. And hopefully people get mad and hopefully they target that anger in the right direction. Um, but I could see it. I could see it just being like five years of like, not good times, you know, not like the worst ever, but they're making money really shitty. Hi, Zach. What do you think? So because it's an election year, I think they're going to draw it out as long as possible. Um, in California, uh, the amount of waste that we have here is insane. And uh, as they've been going back through a lot of the COVID uh, stuff that they've been doing, they've been finding all this fraud and, uh, like for the first time for a long time, the state claims that they have uh, like that. Well, that we're not no longer in a deficit, but we actually have like extra money. And then they want to take that and reinvest it back in. But like, they're talking about doing crazy shit, like helping people first time home buyers buy homes, but then the state would be part of the mortgage also. So they would own the property. Like, none of their solutions ever come out like working correctly. So here, especially I, I would imagine that we're going to have another, uh, uh, it won't be unemployment this time, but it'll be some kind of a, a welfare, uh, program where they just reach out and do stimulus for almost everybody. UBI um, type stuff. yeah, I don't know if it'll actually get to UBI here, but it'll be close. Um, See, but I would say after after the election, I, I would expect the downturn from January uh, to look like you know the e ticket ride compared. The the shitty thing about putting uh, the U.S. government on as a co-signer, especially like with student loans, is you can't default on that loan. Like you can't file bankruptcy and wipe that debt out. So people don't know this. But you can't actually file bankruptcy and get rid of your student loan debt if it's uh, a FAFSA loan. 
So right. you're stuck with it. So if you end up with a mortgage on a house that you can't afford, you cannot file bankruptcy if the government, the co-signer, even if it's the state. So that's right. way worse. That is a hundred times worse. And I want to say that they are like literally modeling it after student loan programs. It's so bad. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, I want so to say gonna... that there's going to be like avenue to like, where what, what if they need their money back? <laughs> What if they decide they want to cash out on their 15% of the home that they own? Jeez, seriously. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, holy shit, right? Like, Basquiat says that the government shouldn't use the law any any way different than we're able to use against one another. Nice. We know that they can take everything you own. Like, they're going to take your whole damn, they're going to make you sell that house to get their 15% back. And what if you do default, what, they keep it? And then what do they do? Are they going to sell it to somebody else? Are they going to rent it out? I mean, like, why the hell should the government be owning properties? It's going to be, I don't know how it's constitutional. I like, I don't see it going anywhere. It's like, even at the state level, they're regulated on how many, uh, what type of properties they're allowed to purchase and all that. Yeah. Social credit score. Mm. Um, That could happen. Oh, that's already here. here. Yeah, it'll happen here. I mean, look look how many databases we have in the United States that track different uh, activities, right? Like, so, the uh, Department of Homeland Security tracks basically everything we do online already, right? So w- how hard would it be for them to just say, oh, we're going to give a point system to these different activities? Like, it's literally just a, a few thousand lines of code, which they could knock out in a few days. And, hey, all of a sudden, everybody's got a point system. My credit score sucks, like, literally. So my social credit score is going to be, like, negative something. It's going to be horrendous. I won't be able to buy a bag of rice. Um, so I'm just going to throw this in there just to keep the, the conversation going. Uh we're going to continue seeing the same activity from the Democrats that we've been seeing. Uh, The Ghislaine Maxwell trial got almost zero news coverage. How many days in a row have you seen wall-to-wall coverage of the January 6th insurrection bullshit? Yeah. How many times have you seen them try to tie other Republicans into that? They know that they're fucked because they ended up winning big in a year where everything tanked because Republicans blew out the fucking spending. <laughs> and now they're caught with their pants down like, oh, shit, this is bad. But so Democrats don't like, understand spending in that connection. So they're like, what happened? It must be Biden's fault. It's Yeah, so it's like a few Sundays ago, I read an article where they're basically blaming Democrats and Republicans and anybody who doesn't agree with Joe Biden for the reason Joe Biden has a low uh, approval score. Uh, they just basically, it was an opinion article, but basically they were just saying, just, just like Joe Biden and I won't yell at you. Um, but we're going to continue seeing that, that, that train of thought. Inflation is not going to go away, right? Like it's not going to go away. If Republicans win big in November, which they're projected to win massively in massive landslides, because all they remember is, holy shit, in 2020, I was paying a dollar 49 for gas. It will in states that aren't California, but, um, that all that that's all that's what they remember right they remember cheaper times so they're going to vote for republican because they're fucking they don't understand how all this works and we're just going to see the same cycle of things so it, they're going to just blame republicans for everything and then republicans are going to get a boost in the polls and they're going to win big in november and it's just it's a it's a stupid cycle it's back. basically yeah, it's it's like uh, Larry Cur- uh, Larry Moe and Curly. They just keep knocking each other on the head until it is. 
Nothing it's ever just, gets it's made. It's a show. It's a freaking extravaganza. The gimmick. It's almost See, like... like out here, you guys right? sound... Sorry. Out here, you guys sound completely way too optimistic. Uh, Gavin Newsom overwhelmingly got the majority of votes in California. Like, uh, even though we had such a low voter turnout, uh, people still think that it would have been worse if Republicans would have had any power here. Like, people still think that we didn't go far enough. But, and go ahead, go ahead. I just say, like, uh, I don't, I like, I know I'm, we're in a bubble out here, but, uh, I, I would expect small small wins for Republicans, if any, out here. That's yeah, like they're projecting they're projecting a Republican win maybe for Attorney General. Um, just because yeah. crime is the roof, but that's literally it. But so we're we, we're really unique in our situation. So Zach is literally in the most liberal part of the state, and I live in the most conservative part of the state. <laughs> So, like, here, people just rail about how bad Newsom is the entire time. This fucking guy. <laughs> yeah, and here, people still wear masks. Damn. Yeah. That's why so, I see a little bit of it here, but not much. Very few and far between now. Yeah. So, the thing is, is, like, I'm, I'm – so, look, California is its own existence, right? Like, let's be honest. California has a massive population that is hard to narrow down. It's got the largest Republican population of any state anywhere in the country just because the state's so fucking massive. Right. Uh, I'm not talking geog- like, uh, geography-wise. I'm just talking population-wise. Oh. So, yeah, but I mean, Texas and Alaska are bigger, which Alaska is the biggest state. Anyways, anyways. Um, but California has to, has to be excluded from all of these polls because California exists on, inside of its own bubble. The way that people vote, the way that people act, even though... They've had a Democrat in charge for how long, and it's been shitty for how long. Uh, well, even they've had they've had Republicans like Arnold, but he's basically like a soft just Democrat. Um, but I'm talking about like nationwide, right? You're going to see like states that have been historically purple just go deep red in November, um, like like we seen in Virginia last year. There's a massive sweep from blue to red counties that have never gone red or at least not in the last 30 years, went red, deep red. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not saying I'm in support of that. I'm just saying this is this is the trend that we're seeing. And Republicans hate the hate all the same things they claim to be about. How many Republicans did we just see sign on for gun legislation that they said they would never vote for? It's, it's just insanity. We're all fucked. Let's just wait for the shooting to start and quit running for offices. Like, I, I appreciate you guys for actually giving a shit and trying to do it. At this point, I'm basically waiting on the fireworks to start so I can throw my fucking he- uh, my helmet and my fucking plate carrier and just start partying. It's that it was rude. It won't work that way, man. You, if we use violence, then we become the bad guys and we become the ones that they can demonize. We have to use peace, and that means that we have to be slow and methodical, and we have to be tenacious and put up with a lot of bullshit on the way. But or true, and or we're we still the bad guys. Because <laughs> it kills everybody, and then rewrites history because history's winners write history. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I want to win the other way, though. Yeah. I mean, hey. I mean, like civil rights movement. There's been success abolition. There's been movements in history. Well, that's not a good example. Just kidding. Never mind. They had to kill some people for that one. Well, so- abolition everywhere but America. 
I'm, yeah, right. I'm asking you this. What point in human history has peace ever been, like, <sighs> true peace and freedom ever been achieved without violence? Name me one time in human history. And never on anything bigger than a small scale, probably. I mean, people are like peaceful societies, and I'm sure they get eaten. The only problem with the revolution argument is that one revolution ever worked out in favor of the people in history. One. Ours? Yep. Yeah, that's fair. Get it, though? Uh, for yeah. a minute. But the problem I mean, is all it was a couple years. Bad. I mean, it was a couple minutes because they immediately started shooting people for a whiskey tax. I'm just mm-hmm. saying. It didn't last that's that true. long. <laughs> that's honestly true, though. Yep. They immediately started removing Indians and moving people of color. Immediately, guys, <laughs> though, we got the laws that excluded freed slaves and descendants of freed slaves from owning guns within mm-hmm. weeks. <laughs> they say, yeah, all governments are bad. Every revolution just replaces it with a new government. And that's kind of the problem. That's why our revolution is like one of the mind of the intellect everywhere. So people understand. No more, no more tea tax. But here's a whiskey tax. It's not tea. <laughs> Only the man is drinking well, it. Only the rich white men drink whiskey anyways. <laughs> the the people that they were taxing for whiskey didn't have uh cash flow. They like used whiskey for currency. That was the entire thing. There's wow. an entire there's a total parallel with Bitcoin and whiskey during the revolution. And including the people who use it as uh currency. Like that, usually entirely independent, outside of the system. Uh, yeah, whiskey and Bitcoin, man. That's awesome. So when when I have my four hundred acre fucking uh, compound, whiskey will be the new currency. Um, just saying. So if you want on on site, bring bring you good whiskey. Hell yeah, I'm all about it. I'm an Evan Williams guy. Bourbon, bourbon for me. Yeah, I've been drinking 10 years, but I like to smoke weed. Me too. Hey, that's acceptable. Fully acceptable. We'll grow yeah. weed on site. Some of the I biggest a, shit you've ever seen. Yeah, I was a terrible person when I drank too much. So, like, I'm so glad that I stopped. Yeah, don't do that. Actually, you know, I think it's like March 2nd, I listened to Tom Woods in, in Orange County. And... And Matt Butts was with me, and I ordered myself a Long Island because that's what I used to drink when I was, like, young. And I got, like, halfway through and went to the car and took a nap. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. These days. Matt texted me, hey, bro, where are you? I was like, I'm sleeping in my car right now. <laughs> no, I, I understand that feeling. I'm old. Like, whenever you, you're in your 20s or 30s, I don't know how old you guys are, but you start drinking, you're just like, I'm going to go to bed. I don't want to do anything else. So, so Zach, I want to ask you a question, bud. All that right. photo that you have right there, where was that taken at? Was that in Reno? That was in Reno. So we probably met in Reno because, well, it depends on how closely you were to your get- delegation. I was the wanderer. I wandered around the entire weekend and did very little as far as a delegate, uh, as a true anarchist should because, I mean – Eventually, the LP is Miami, right? Like, fuck the state, fuck the LP. Uh, but hey, it was a good, it was a great time. I really hope we met. No. I don't, I don't think we did though. I, I have no idea. I met a million people, man. Uh, but oh, no, wow. the, the entire goal of this project is to make the LP into something that I can hate. Like that's that's the that's the idea. We need this what thing to get huge. That? 
Well, eventually they're going to have power and I'm just, I don't know. I'm just like that. That was yeah. part of the problem with joining in in the first place. It was like everybody that I respect is joining and they're all making really, really good points, but I'm not going to follow along with whatever bullshit somebody says just because I like them. And then, well, I kind of, kind of had to talk myself into it. Huh. That's amazing. So that is the best argument I've ever heard as an anarchist as to why you should join the LP. Make the LP so good and so effective. It's something that you hate. That's right. amazing. No, I'm an anarchist. That's why, that's why I'm here. I mean, like, if you think about it, like, he's he's an anarchist, uh, as as I think all of us except Kelly. Kelly's a statist. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, like, that's, that's fucking amazing. Like, if you think about it, right, like, like, people say, well, why are you in the LP if you're an anarchist? You should be against all, like, group organizations that want to run the government. But if you're looking for an organization that you think will promote something close to liberty because eventually like look like the lp becomes a status fucking organization that wants to take over the world like everybody else but you want to make it something close where it'll push some good policy so that you can hate it later that's a fucking amazing zach i love that i love that take i'll shut no, that's up. my that's my pitch man like uh none of the neither of the other two parties um have ever done anything for liberty even like so like from california's perspective everybody's fucking hero is ronald reagan and ronald reagan's the reason why we can't load it open carry and ronald reagan's the reason sure. why there's uh the machine gun ban and then like right after that we get the assault weapons ban that lasted until uh george bush yeah like their heroes ronald reagan's quote about libertarianism Maybe it's uh it's it's crazy. He compares it to conservatism, and he really like he's complimenting us. He's basically saying he is a libertarian. So it's like it's a it's a perfect example of how somebody could have all the right principles, but once they become a politician, you know they're they're out in the wild, man. They're out there with the wolves. So you never know what to expect. Rand Paul. Rand Paul is a good example of that. Rand Paul on the floor is fantastic. Rand Paul as a politician outside of the Senate is just as bad as almost every Republican. How so? Like, he like can't voting record or what? No, no, he votes okay. Like I said, on the floor, he's decent. But the way he carries himself, uh, like he has the opportunity to speak his mind. And uh, he plays it safe way too often, I think. Yeah. I mean, he is in the Republican Party, though. So you got right. I give I give the Amashes and the Rand Paul and Thomas Massey's credit because they got elected to the to the, you know, to the national level being libertarian minded. And that's pretty fucking hard to do. They have to be in specific places and be specific people to do that. So I respect yeah. it. And I, I agree. Like I have my qualms with, you know, all of all of our leaders and politicians. But um, I also see where they're coming from and why they choose that strategy, too. So, a friend of mine uh, who goes by the name Susie Q on on Facebook actually gave me a really great analogy as well, same same way Zach did, that the LP is basically anarchy loop. Like, it'll show you that, like, there are people that will push for liberty, but at the end of the day, once you realize that any level of government will oppress people, 1776, for example, like, we we had a, a minimal government, like, the minarchist government 
first thing they did, push out tax or push out a whiskey tax, killed people over it. Anarchy Lube makes tons of sense because once you understand that government in itself is an oppressive organization, everything else, it, it just can't exist if you want unbridled, pure freedom. Yeah. And peace. And just respect of, of each other, you know, respect of other individuals, whatever you call that, real cooperation, you know. So I think like a lot of leftists try to push the they understand leftists almost always understand the problems. They just have a real big problem. Other, They don't understand where the problems are coming from or what solution should be. But they're always on point when they're pointing them, like when they're when they're looking for problems. So they the problem with their problem with policing, for example, is systemic racism. They don't understand that it's the systemic part. That's the problem. It's not right. the racism. It's not the like for us. It's uh, people attacking people over uh, gun laws or drug laws, right? Like we think that they're unconstitutional and that they go against people's natural rights. So we're upset about that. But it's the systemic part. It's not. It's not whatever additive that like the problem with the economy isn't the big corporations and they have too much power. It's that there is a mechanism for them to use to gain power that's the problem and, and we're the we're the only ones who have the opportunity to actually message the thought completely to its logical end i think yes it's like government is like a sword and you're putting it in a room full of like men who are trying to kill each other already and telling them not to like use it they're gonna have lobbyists and they're gonna bribe and they're gonna do everything they can to manipulate that power if it exists if there's no sword at all in existence People might actually have to get along and learn how to cooperate and stuff. I don't yeah. know. I think a, a sword is too uh, gives it too much credit. Washington <laughs> called, it, called it called it fire. Huh. Like you don't know what it's going to do. Yeah, fair. That's a good point. And it's just going to grow. Yeah. Uh huh. True, and it does. I Eric think Bly got caught on Twitter. They asked him, like, what would you replace the federal government with? And he said, what would you replace cancer with? Yep. So. Yeah, I mean, if you look, I mean, oh, go ahead, Kelly. I'll let you go. Zach talks, he's so smart. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny. So he, we were talking like a week ago, and he's like, man, I'm going to be on a podcast I haven't done in a while. I'm going to be nervous. I'm like, dude, we'll go on a show with the coolest guys I know. Tell me to say to you, are like, yeah, let's do this. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're like the chillest podcast ever. You said yeah. the coolest guys you know. What show was that? Oh, um, no, it was this other one. They told us no, so then I called you. <laughs> oh, I thought, did I not say that the first time? My, my bad, my bad. <laughs> like 12, we were like 12, 13 on the list, I'm sure, which is really, we've moved up in most people's lists, I think, dude. We're doing good. Yeah. There was a twelve-year-old uh, Twitch streamer that turned him down before we were like, "Hell yeah, man! It's amazing." <laughs> Those kids are getting rich, and uh, I envy them. My kids used to watch a show on YouTube, and the kid made like twenty-three million dollars one year off YouTube advertising. Yeah, Ryan, uh, what's that fucking kid's name? Ryan something or other. Uh, he does Ryan's toy reviews. Yeah. 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 Yes. My kids watch that kid too. So that shit's well, crazy. You, you, when, when you have kids nowadays, they don't want to play games. 
They want to watch other kids play games online. I've heard about this. Yeah, I've heard about this. It's, oh, it's, it's the casual. most. It's the most infuriating thing, too, because like literally, like, my son has the game in his room, but rather than play the game, he's on my TV in the living room watching somebody else play the game. It's an interesting concept, right? It's like somebody else does the work. And so everyone else just lets the experience unfold without having to do the work. It's kind of nice. Our generation heard, get off that game, go outside. Our generation now is like, get off the TV, go play video games. (laughs) Well, dude, everyone's so scared. It's so funny. Like I talked to my friends who have kids and they all think it's so dangerous for their kids to be outside. I'm like, no, it's no less dangerous than it was 30 years ago. It's yeah. just we talk about it more. It just, but that's been statistically proven. You know, like uh, Jonathan Haidt is one of my favorite um, researchers and authors, and he talks about it. And I think it's called, actually, maybe it was a Freakonomics episode or something that I saw it in. But I recently read that that uh yeah that actually we're way safer now than we were 20, 30, 40 years ago, and crime's gone way down except that there's way more publicized every time something happens. So we're yeah. all the hell out. Fear porn. That's what they call it. Mm. That's all news is. Yep. They make their money. Kelly, it's are like, you trying to get YouTube famous? Is your kid trying to get YouTube famous too? He's he's a ham. He like This is Anderson. Say hi. Anderson, this could be your break. Yeah. yeah. Your break. He, so up until like two weeks ago, he'd never had a haircut. He's five. So his Did I see pictures like, of that on Facebook? Yeah, so his yeah. hair was like two, but then we cut it a little bit. And then last week my wife went to go to the barber and she cut it. And they it looks awesome. Hopefully he stops getting accused of being a girl. <laughs> That's a good so problem to have at that age though. Well, weren't you just recently married? I was indeed. Tell Man. me this advice. I like that segue. <laughs> so Super I, so when you're dealing with your wife, there's a couple things and we have to remember, right? Yes, I'm sorry, I understand, whatever you say. But there's a couple things, right? We have to remember what's more important, our pride or our marriage, obviously our marriage, right? Uh-huh. Our, our happiness or our wife's happiness, obviously our wife's, right? Uh-huh. So when you make your first big purchase, you go buy the most comfortable couch you can. Okay. Because periodically, your pride's way the hell more important and you're <laughs> the fucking window for your own, and you want to make sure you have a comfortable place to sleep. Okay, you know what? I actually checked that box pretty recently, so that just worked out naturally. Yeah. So, so one year, I, I, I mic dropped my wife in an argument. We I don't even know what we were talking about, but I definitely like ah, and slammed the door shut, and I went to work. So I walked out the door. I think yes, I fucking won. Yeah, I got to work a couple hours later. Somebody calls. And I'm like, who the fuck is calling me? So I pick up the phone and, hey, man, so I'm on Craigslist. Is that couch still for sale? Uh, no shit. No shit. She put my couch on my own phone over. People were calling me for like hours. I was pissed. That is savage. That is fantastic. Yeah. So, maybe that's why my marriage recently failed. My couches have always been horrendous. They've been the most uncomfortable, lumpy fucking things on the planet. So I would take that advice, Will. Uh, buy you a super comfy fucking couch. I got a lazy boy. It's a, actually like a it's a love seat. It's two. It's like a wide recliner. So this it'll do it. It'll do it. Yeah. 
good. Yeah, those are nice. Yeah, so he's a ham. So I've gone on like campaign speeches and he likes to go up there with me, like on the stage. So I do want to give an update on that. So we did have the primary and I did, I'm going to end up getting about 30%, but in our state, somebody wins with over 50. So I, I'm done on that race. I'm pretty sure Damn. there's about 9,000 votes left to count. And I could in theory knock that into the next, to the November election. But what I'll be doing instead is I'll be filing to run for my town's council. Oh yeah. So it's an at large. They have to elect four people at one time. So it's, there's no way that I won't get on that. That'll be a real good thing just to make sure that we're still staying involved and, and, and really speaking for Liberty on any level. Dude. Yeah. You know? That's awesome. And that gets your foot in the door that, I mean, every, every room where people are making decisions, somebody could be getting screwed over. We're like the defense attorneys of the political world and government world. You know, we're like, someone's got to be there to advocate for the people. You know, so I have a friend. So I, one thing that I do really well is I actually outreach really well to the left as well as the right. So I have a friend named Angelica Cortez. She runs a Filipino organization called, um, oh man, I, I just forgot what it's called, but it's a Filipino organization in San Jose. And I was talking to her one day and we were talking about inclusion, like in, in the government and getting in how to get your foot in the door. And she said, at no point in human history has government ever made room for us that we have to make room for ourselves. And right. that's what struggles about, you know, and yeah. And it's pretty fucking cool, you know, when you think about it that way. And it, and then you're able to function and and identify what you're trying to accomplish. You know, so many times we get <laughs> like chickens with their heads cut off because we never actually follow through with any ideas because we don't actually know how we're building our chair. Yeah. <laughs> so here's here's the thing: is like we can we can run candidates all the time, right? Like. I'm one of those people, like, not everyone should run for uh, an office, right? I, there are activists, there are candidates, and then there's a very, very small minority of the population who can do both very well. I think a lot of us can think of some people who can do both very well. There's a lot of us who can think, they can think of a campaign right off the top of their head. They're like, they should not be running this campaign. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that laugh right there, exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but... The one thing I think that we can take away from a lot of this, too, is that um, even if we're not running, like, massively successful campaigns, we're getting the ideas out there. AOC's Green New Deal, you know who she stole that from? The Green Party. Most Americans have no idea who the Green Party is, but they know the Green New Deal. She stole that entire platform verbatim from the Green Party. Why? Because she's seen that it actually resonated with some people that she knew that she could talk to and promote it to. So if if we can get our ideas, like, I understand we want to win these campaigns, but if, if there's campaigns that are going to win that steal our ideas and they're promoting it in a way that we want them to promote it, fucking let them. Let that's them steal the our ideas and do yeah, it. It's a, we didn't win the campaign, but we are still winning the idea war. Yeah, as long as you're winning the debate of public opinion, that's all that matters, right? Exactly. And then, like, some people get so discouraged. Like, I had to tell people, like, you know, liberty doesn't die in the defeat. Liberty lives on in the struggle. Yeah, right. right. But ideas move. Ideas are are. I mean, I can't think of the word, but they're every. You know, ideas are wide reaching, and and they touch everybody at some point. But so, like, like you said, I mean, just getting our ideas out there is huge. And then that's how you. I mean, and I'm going to get thirty percent. 
Like I learned a lot. Like how many libertarians get 30% on their first run? And there awesome. were, I ran against two Republicans. Man, I got on the debate stage and I whipped everyone's ass on the debate stage. <laughs> on on NBC. Kelly got televised on NBC. Yeah. He was alongside a former police officer and he called his incumbent a uh, drug dealer. I did it was, call him a drug dealer on live TV. It was amazing. No, what I said was um, that we I should have the same opportunities to keep my records clean that my the incumbent had when he was arrested for selling drugs in college. That's, and it was it true? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I I would never. So my wife. So here's another thing. Well, it makes life easy. Don't ever, don't ever argue with your wife unless you're a hundred percent sure that you're right, right? You made that mistake like, already. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. So my no, wife, be a hundred percent. I'm gonna get on TV and accuse somebody of something like that. Then she, I know damn well that there's no way to come back on me on that. Yeah, hell yeah. And then what I did fuck up though is he at the end he tried tying me to another guy that that I know in the county who's also involved in marijuana, and um. And he eventually said that drug dealers have no place in government. And I didn't catch it because I would have asked for an opportunity to, to rebut. And I would have said, oh, so what you're saying is that drug dealers that look like you can be rehabilitated and achieve great things at county levels. But drug dealers that look like me can't. Yeah. You know, and just put it out there. Let them answer it. I don't know that he's a racist or not. But if you want to say something stupid like that, then I'm going to let someone else show that opinion. Seriously. <laughs> Oh, like yeah. I'm real careful with what I say about myself in public like that. Mm-hmm. Like you're not kidding me on anything stupid and sound bites. Like I don't even like people ask for pictures and I do the Keanu Reeves thing. <laughs> you know? the like I, I'm just real careful, but it, there's reasons for it. You know, Hey guys, but I do want to talk about one thing. And the only thing that I really care to talk about today is Zach has that picture of him and Scott Horton. And so we have to bring it up. Zach actually wrote defund the guard le- legislation no that shit. is being distributed by the LP nationwide. And I have to hear him talk about this. This is like his baby. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'm not on the legislation end of it quite yet. It's starting to build up. Um, we're going to California is one of the only states that has the ability for you to uh, put an initiative on the ballot. Uh, just by getting signatures. And so they always try with like school choice or uh, uh, decrim nature or something like that. Um, In California, we're going to do it as defend the guard. Um, And we're going to push it because if we can't get the state legislature to do it, like some other states can, uh, we figure that this is our opportunity to uh, really strike. And uh, I've been working with a dude, Garrison Ham, on messaging And um, so he just uh, wrote a program plank. So in California, we don't have a platform. Uh, we, our platform is nationals. What we do is we have a program, which is five planks that are the most pressing issues in California right now. Oh. And uh, we want to make uh, Defend the Guard like our topic in the LPCA and uh, um between that and the legislative committee that uh, I'm also on, um, we're going to be able to send out call to actions, uh, be able to send out PDFs to gather signatures, and uh, we're going to try to get that on the ballot. Uh, and it's it's basically a bunch of vets um, out here that are working on it. Um, and I think uh, 
dude might still be active, but um, I've been, just been trying to help him out wherever I can. And uh, this is going to be like our big, big uh, push. And uh, so at the our county or our state XCOM meeting uh, just happened like a week ago, two weeks ago. And uh, they we have a similar uh, resolution as nationals that Scott Horton wrote. Um, that I think massive that Texas passed before national national passed it. I think Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, um, California, and somewhere else I can't remember uh, all have one uh, passed now. And so uh, defend the guard is becoming uh, an, an issue for the entire LP, and uh, I'm excited about that. So, Zach, I think you suffer from what I call smartest man in the room syndrome. Uh, I think you're about 20 steps ahead of everybody else. Can you please explain what uh, Defend the Guard is? All right. So uh, Congress hasn't declared war since 1942. Um, California deploys specifically because of how big we are in our population, deploys a ton of National Guard troops that should be here. Uh, working on uh, National Guard stuff, mudslides, uh, fire, etc. Um, what Defend the Guard would do would it would force Congress to declare war before National Guard troops would be allowed to be sent out into combat zones. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think with the world's largest voluntary military. Uh, I don't think that we should be sending, uh, you know, I mean, I don't want to use the derogatory term weekend warriors, but guys that didn't sign up to do it full time shouldn't be getting sent. Like they should be here defending their states. Uh, They belong to us, not the feds. And uh, California has subsidized a lot of the National Guard duties with uh, prison. Uh, Like our fire crews are all run by, you know, all run on prison labor. And, uh, when COVID hit, they released everybody and there was no fire program and uh, the entire state basically burned down. Uh, so if we had the National Guard at home, that wouldn't be happening. Use them for other stuff. Well, guys, I got to run. Sorry, bro. Uh, Zach, thank you for what you're doing, though, man. I know Garrison and those guys super well. So thanks for what you're doing with all that, man. That's freaking incredible. And uh, really good talking to you, bro. I'm sorry I have to skip out early, bootleg. Always a pleasure. I'll catch you guys later. Right, Sweep the leg, Johnny. We'll do. Thank you very much. Later, man. Uh, so for those who don't know, that that really fucked up my angle. Um, so for those who don't know, the National Guard is actually 100% funded by uh, states. So the state pays for their training. They actually, so I'll speak specifically to the Army because that's what I know the best. So when the National Guard sends troops off, to get trained to do their job as a National Guardsman, they pay the federal government for the training. There's a like they get a discount or whatever because like, oh, you say that you'll do what we say, whatever, whatever, whatever. But they're they're required in order to have that certification to be a National Guardsman, they have to go through federal training. There's all of these requirements that it ties them to the federal level, but they are state troops. They are designed to protect those states. Originally, the entire initial intent was to defend those states from the federal government. They were designed to say, hey, look, if the federal government goes whack and like they've got federal troops that want to encroach on states' rights or whatever, 
we have the ability to defend ourselves. Or if, like, say Texas, like, say Mexico decided, hey, we're gonna, we want Mexico back. Or, uh, yeah, take back the Alamo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we want, we want Texas, uh, we want Texas back. And Tennessee's like, look, we already gave you David Crockett. Figure it the fuck out. Uh, they've got a national guard to defend themselves. Let's say Washington State is invaded by the fucking uh, Canadians, which, okay. Um, yeah, are you sure? <laughs> yeah, like, like they like, would apologize if, the whole time. Sorry, eh? Sorry, eh? Sorry. <laughs> like, look, they. I've never like I'm a federal fire, uh, firearms licensee. I've never seen a dildo can, but if there was, it would be from Canada. Um, but look, you've got to have some kind of state level defense. I don't think that you should have state funding to have those defenses. I think you just arm everybody. People will decide, hey, I don't give a shit about this state. I'm not going to defend it. Or I care about this state. I'm going to defend it. But if it's state funds, we shouldn't be using it for federal propaganda wars, especially Afghanistan, especially Iraq, especially bullshit that no one fucking supports. Yeah. And so to, to like kind of support the the, the governmental, like the, the financial cost aspect of it, it's – Twenty. So the California National Guard is typically around twenty-five thousand members. They've deployed thirty-two thousand National Guardsmen over the last like twenty years, between six and fifteen months, you know, tours overseas. That's in. That's like the financial cost is absolutely insane. Do you know who pays their their uh, salary when they're deployed? Though I'm sure it's a federal thing at that point. But I mean, even if you don't look at it in that way, look at it in how much how much time they're losing from work, how many how many, how much lack how much productivity has been lost by having them overseas, you know, rather than being home. How many fire how many acres have gone on fire because they're overseas instead of fire you know here fighting fires, you know. There's I could list a hundred different things that I could use the National Guard to do around Kern County that wouldn't hurt that would only help people rather than sending them to Afghanistan. No, I agree. <laughs> and it's still the desert, so it'd be perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's no different. It's windier here. All right. <laughs> Ooh. Uh... Is it like windy, windy? It can be. It can oh, be super man. windy. We get, in, like, we get into the twenties pretty regularly. We have windmills where I live. Like, it's on purpose. Uh, you, you ever been in a desert? Look at the top of a mountain and see snow. <laughs> No. That's Afghanistan. <laughs> I'm not shitting you. <laughs> well, my buddy used to send me pictures, you know, when we were younger, because I'm 36. I'll be 37 this year. I had actually, I had to ask my wife that. I wasn't sure. I can't remember how old I was. And, um, but so 15 years ago, you know, all my friends were in the Marines and in the Army, and they sent us pictures of the biggest spiders. <laughs> I'm like, dude, this is worse than Hawaii, man. <laughs> Camel spiders, bro. They're not. They're they're no joke. Camel spiders will, like, in the U.S., you drop a boot on something, like on a spider, it dies. In Afghanistan, you drop a boot on a camel spider, it throws the boot back at you. It's fucking wild. Hey, man, I I live, I live in in Los Angeles, my whole life, outside of Los Angeles, my whole way. I walked into people's houses in L.A. where the cockroaches just look at you. Like, what do you do? Like, the sun's down. You're supposed to be in bed. <laughs> but they don't throw anything at you like they do in Afghanistan. <laughs> but even the cockroaches are banging. They're like, second crib. What's up, bro? What the fuck you doing, man? You're in the wrong neighborhood, bro. 
No. So I have a 70 pound lap dog who is pushing the coffee table across the floor so he can be close to me. You just got like 12 shades darker. Just because the angle is so bad now. Striker. Get out of the way. Everybody's trying to get YouTube famous. Yeah, dude. (laughs) So you tell you a man like, hey, get off him. So he is a black pit bull, and we definitely rescued him from jail. (laughs) (laughs) I like how my gang-banging cockroach joke fell flat, but the black pit bull from jail was actually kind of pretty funny. Yeah, I might have missed it, dude. Sometimes sarcasm is wasted on me because of my hearing loss. I apologize. Huh? I hate you so much. Uh, so, do, where uh, did, you, did you stay at the Nugget in Reno? Zach? Bootleg. Mm-hmm. I knew it. Zach. Oh, oh you. me? Oh, yeah. so I bounced between the Nugget and the Sierra Nevada. The, the Sierra? The, yeah. Grand Sierra. Yeah, the Grand Sierra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm going to give a huge shout out to Sean Hickman who actually gave me a key to this dope-ass penthouse suite he had uh, rented out. And uh, there was a super secret, like, fundraiser for Spike Cohen there. And he's like, dude, if you need to crash here, crash here. I was like, fuck, yeah, I'm not staying in this tiny-ass little room with another dude. I'm going to stay in this fucking big-ass suite by my fucking self. And uh, so guess what? I did. Uh, so I bounced between the two hotels because uh, you know I'm I'm bootleg. I just I get drunk and just talk to people, wander around. I went to the LP Texas uh, karaoke night, did a fantastically horrible uh, version of a uh, beer for my horses. So if you see, if you was wandering around, you probably would see me. But it was it was it was a great weekend. I really I will probably never give a shit about being a delegate again. But I totally want to go to the national conventions from now on. Yeah, so I have a different thought because, like, I, I'm hoping I will hopefully be an elected official this year. I don't get involved very much in party politics, so in the end, nobody has a problem supporting me. But, like, I just want to go and party <laughs> and I hang out with everybody, getting away from the wife and kids for a couple of days, you know? And, like, I don't drink. So, really, just for me, means staying up late. But, hey, that's I have four kids, man. Like, staying up late, that's a win. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing past midnight are like the two coolest things you can do when you're my age. <laughs> can I say this is that the the best part about Reno for me, I didn't give a shit who fucking won chair. It doesn't matter. It's the same fucking party, the same bullshit. I, I had I had a preference. It didn't go my way. That's fine. I had a vice chair pick. Didn't go my way. Don't give a shit. None of it matters. I got to meet a lot of different people from a lot of different walks of life, from a lot of different states. I got to network, communicate with people. I have made new friends that I never thought I would ever make. And it was a fantastic opportunity. If you don't care about the party, if you don't care about the politics or the inner party drama like I do, just go for the fun of it. Just go to to talk to people. It was so eye-opening and so amazing to be around. Like, I met a delegation... uh, some of them from California, who are adamantly anti-Mises. I'm not anti-Mises. I'm not pro-Mises. I'm like, look, both sides are 
fucking wrong about a lot of shit. Yeah. But I get to I get to talk to these people. I get to I get to hear their viewpoints. I talk to them. There were very civil discussions on both sides, and I love that. I don't have to agree with you on everything. That's the beauty of it. And it was so amazing. I just got to I, I got to hang out with so many fucking awesome people. I loved it. Like there were so many people. It was just oh my god. That's all I can say. Um, that was exactly my experience. Uh, the conversations that I had with people until mid, like you said, until midnight, were ridiculous. And uh, like you get to realize that even though in your area you might be like the one or two people that think like you. Uh, I was in a room of a thousand people that at least we agreed on like 99% of almost everything. Like it was crazy. Highly recommend. Yeah. Like I, I didn't get to go. I stayed home to, for campaigning and, um, which is great. I had a couple opportunities to really, you know, get out there and, and meet people from my County. But going to the California State Convention twice now, that's been so cool. So I met Zach randomly. Like, I yeah. was talking to him all the time. And, and now, like, when I need speeches written or press releases written, I usually I'll call Zach, and he'll help, he'll help me write him. <laughs> so it's like, you're right. It's, it's the meeting people that you never would have in a million years ran into, you know, is, is probably the best part. You know, and and we talk to each other online all the time, and finally meeting people each other in person is pretty cool. Like, man, I need next time I'm going to for sure. Is it in DC in 2024? Yeah, DC. I'm going a couple days I got to meet Jack motherfucking Casey in person, and he was wearing a cape. That's all I'm. Oh, he's wearing a cloak. I'm sorry, I can't say cape. He was wearing a cloak, but. Look, man, it, it was so amazing. Like, so I'm sure I ran into Zach at some point. Like, I've met so many people, and I'm sure he'll agree. Like, it's hard to say, "Oh yeah, I've seen you," unless we've met before, right, dude? It was, yeah, it was, it was amazing. Like, it's just the 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 vast number of people I got to talk to and communicate with. It was fucking amazing, and uh, I, I fully expect to see you in uh, in DC, Kelly. I mean, I will verbally harass you. On social media until you do. Well, that's how Matt got me involved with the LP in the first place was by harassing me on social media. So that that tactic works. <laughs> peer pressure does work on Kelly, just so yeah. you know. If you want yeah. him to uh, smoke meth, just peer pressure him until he. Well, it. it's, it's funny you say that. <laughs> we got in a, a couple of weeks ago. We were we got in a conversation about, and somebody made a comment about Asians being like the the model minority. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. They're like, well, you guys are never got in trouble. You guys always do good. You're not like other, you know, minorities. I'm like, that's weird that you would think that. So, but the really the reason why the reason why Asians do so well is because we are deathly afraid that our moms throw their sandals like they are ninja stars. And and I would rather deal with the peer pressure than have my mom throw shit at me. And and then you know the other thing like so have you ever seen Joe Koi? Have you watched Joe Koi? Maybe. Joe Koi, he's a Filipino comedian. He's he's on Netflix. He's real famous, but he talks about growing up in a Filipino household. And when he talks about growing up in a Filipino household, he's talking about all of our Filipino households. <laughs> like Filipino women don't cuss unless it's in Tagalog. 
so like my mom would start yelling at us when we were kids. It would start off, she'd tell us we're stupid, it'd be like gagu. Then we're hard headed, it was tarantado. Then it would get progressively worse. She'd be yelling, putangi namo. And my friend, I mean, son of a bitch or motherfucker. And my friends would ask, Kelly, what's your mom yelling? She's telling us to go play basketball. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just get out of the house. <laughs> let's go to the park. <laughs> oh, shit, dude. See, what's funny is a lot of white kids, not me, but a lot of white kids grew up in households where, like, the kids could just scream at their parents and get away with it. Uh, yeah, my, my family is, like, more white trashy, and, like, hands would be put on people. Um oh. Like, those are like the suburbanite rich, the suburbanite slash rich kids that that could get away with that shit. Um, I'm from East Tennessee. My my family puts hands on motherfuckers, but uh, but yeah. So it is funny. Like like white kids are like, what's that look he's giving? Like I don't this understand. This is my is mom. That your mom. Oh, she's fitting to beat that ass on live. TV. No, no, you this is this is like a big deal for you, brother. Like, I have told my mom's story so many times that she gets media requests through me that she never answers. So, my, so I don't know. I don't sure, I'm sure I shared with you a little bit. Zach's heard a hundred times. My, my, my lovely mother here, she was born in the Philippines in 1949. My grandfather was a guerrilla fighter during World War II. Um, they were born in abject poverty. She was a child laborer at six years old. At eight years old, a family tried to buy her from my grandparents and but she was like the third oldest she was she was already working at 11 she dropped out of school she dropped out of school at 11 to work more um she was a, an american war bride at 13 14 and now since she's been in this country she's owned her own home for 40 years she's been an american for 50 years she oh and she's goodness. owned her business for 30 years next may and she's like there's no one more American than my mother. <laughs> that is the American dream. Also, I would like to say, I didn't believe that that was your mom. I thought she was your sister. So, I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, this is Bootleg. Bootleg lives in Tennessee. <laughs> For now. And then Zach here, he actually lives up by Sacramento. But he's, I don't know, his phone didn't have a good picture, I think. <laughs> uh, it wasn't working out for me. But I'm waiting. <laughs> <laughs> I have Kelly when I was 35 years old. And I was not an accident, even though I'm much younger than my siblings. <laughs> I was on purpose. <laughs> so, you know, when you grew up, I grew up in, in a very white part of California at the time. And it was always, everyone had an Asian joke, like an Asian fetish. And I never had one. And they're like, why not? I'm like, because my mom's the Asian one. I don't care. <laughs> that doesn't like like help me at all. Man. Yeah. Oh, but she's pretty. So, she's cool. She's she's lived everywhere. Have you lived in Tennessee? I went to Tennessee to visit. What what part? I I, I don't know. I don't remember. It's years ago. Mom, Maybe tell them. 40-some-odd years ago. Mom, I want you to tell them about the time that you met George Bush. Oh, I was a waitress in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. You heard of the, the Dragon Restaurant? It's a, it was a world-famous Chinese restaurant in downtown Cedar Rapids. Yeah. And my mom was a waitress there. 
I've never heard of it, but I, I, I want to hear more. <laughs> tell, tell, tell him. So tell him. So George Bush. So George Bush, uh, you know, they're they're in the, a little bit of uh, what do you call that? We have a little balcony, and he's meeting with somebody else, you know. But when they come in, the the secret service goes in. I mean, they're good looking. <laughs> Good looking. They come in. They go into one door. They, you know, uh, uh, watch every door. Nobody comes in or out. But he's good looking man. And then what about mom? Um, oh, and so that was so. My mom's four foot ten. So when the Secret Service comes in, these guys are like six foot four. They, she's like, oh my gosh, what's going on? <laughs> so tell them about um, Ed, like Eddie Money. Oh, he's cheap. He's very cheap. <laughs> <laughs> he is right, Kelly, you to, Kelly, you gotta move. Let's, let's get your mom more. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna log on so you have some more viewers. <laughs> <laughs> no, Eddie Money, he's cheap. He drinks, you know. Well, he plays, you know. But he thinks he's God's gift to this world. Yeah. How does he tip? Cheap? Cheap. What? Yeah, he's very cheap. Before, you oh. know, he was like $2.35 an hour as a waitress. And they're taking your time. And they think that it's because they're famous. Man, they think they're God's gift to this world. <laughs> Tell about Robert Kennedy, Mom. Oh, yeah, he's good looking, too. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom likes so tall. My dad's six foot two, and he's tall, and he's good. He's white. <laughs> my mom likes so tall. Like... <laughs> hey, mom, I'm just saying. I'm six six. I'm I'm a good looking dude. I'm just saying. I mean, Kelly needs a new stepdad. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> the basketball players. I tell you, all the basketball players. <laughs> They'll come into the restaurant, they'll be sitting, and if I'm still looking at them. <laughs> We're still calling. Uh look, I'm I'm I wasn't a basketball player. I'm I'm too white. Like I'm I'm Cherokee and white. Like I, I am coordinated like a six footed person. Uh oh. I, I play football though. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like football players too. Hey, there we go. Hey George Blanda, he's my number one. Uh, oh, yeah, he's the first guy that I like. Uh, 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 what's that? Quarterback and the quarterback. kicker. <laughs> so I always like asking my mom Randy's random questions because she's she's lived like in Washington D.C. She's in Iowa. She lived here. Um, tell him what your first meal in America was. <laughs> my first meal in America is A and W Ruther. Root, root beer float and a hamburger. How about that? Yeah, yeah. that's bitching. <laughs> she is a real American. She's the, <laughs> she's the only real American on this screen. Yeah, I think all the man. rest of us were born here. She's the only real American. We are oh. not a real Americans. <laughs> so with Kelly's mom. This man came into her store one time and he was, oh, what's your accent? Where are you from? And she said, oh, I'm an American. So what's your nationality? And she's like, well, I'm an American. And she's like, no, where are you from? She goes, oh, my ethnicity? You need to learn the right questions. 
she can't go back to the Philippines for more than six months at a time. Yeah. <laughs> she can't just show back up. Like, they'll send themselves in her home. <laughs> yeah. Tell them about um, climbing for the bananas and the coconuts and the trees when you're a little girl. We don't, we don't climb the bananas, but the coconut trees. Yeah. How old were you when you used to climb those trees? About eight years old. And uh, when I was six, I learned how to to harvest corn and harvest rice in the rice body. By hand, not with no machines like the Americans. Yeah. The sickle, you know, I see the sickle. That is what we use to harvest the rice, the rice. I think, Mom, I think you would like, you would love East Tennessee. East Tennessee, up until about 40 years ago, was very primordial. It was very, uh, I guess, rustic would be a good word for it. Up until about 40 years ago, most of East Tennessee was still living on mountainsides. Like, we, we were super rural, and most people didn't know what a city was. They didn't know what public transit was. Like, it was super. It was, like, I'm talking, like, you, you when you think of, like, when when people talk about like you know old school like Vietnam like it was it was mountainsides we couldn't climb the mountain that's East Tennessee wow. and I, I, that's that's the best way I can describe it it's like there are so there are hiking trails in East Tennessee where there are still houses for from from where people were still living there because people would prefer to live in the forest on the side of a mountain than to move into the valley where everybody else was. This is not an, an uncommon occurrence. Like, so what's funny is my ex-wife, who uh, is from Northern Virginia, so we went on a hiking trail, and we're going up. It's it's called Laurel Run Park and all that. They got waterfalls and all this cool stuff, and they, they've got a really long trail that you can follow. And we get about halfway up the trail, and she's like, why are there houses up here? Like, why did they put these up here? Like, wouldn't it cost them so much money to put these here? And I look at it like, People used to live in these things. Like these are out. Like there's an outhouse right there. Like people pooped in that. They lived in this, pooped in that. And she's like, "Oh, they didn't." Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love. I, I used to love to go fishing. That's what we've I got used. amazing fish. Now I'm older. My shoulder hurt. I cannot go fishing anymore. But they, her and my dad like to go off the pier in San Diego and fish off the pier, though. Yeah. And they catch mackerel. <laughs> so um, I was going to say, I always like to ask, like I said, ask my mom a question that I had when I just forgot about it. So I'll have to come back to it. Oh, so my mom can be real petty. My mom can be petty. Tell him <laughs> about the time that you flew 10,000 miles to beat up my auntie. <laughs> so look, before we... Before we get into this, the look she gave you will be my new fucking phone lock. Like that, my lock screen on my phone. Look, <laughs> that was it's a meme by the end of the show. Oh, absolutely! Someone's working on it right now. It was amazing. Good, <laughs> Mama. Tell about so so you flew ten thousand miles and you ended up beating up my auntie in the Philippines. Well, because she's in drugs. <laughs> You know, you don't waste my money on drugs. <laughs> yeah. So the background is my aunt got into some trouble 
and we were forced to sell some property that we had in the Philippines or the government will seize the property. So my mom and my grandpa go back to the Philippines to sell this house, these houses and my, they give everyone some money and my aunt disappears. So tell her what happened. So auntie's gone and you're figuring it out. <laughs> well, because of their kids looking for her. Mommy, do you know where my mom is, my nana is? I don't know. Well, so all of my nephews looking for her. And so they tell me, oh, she's outside right out there, you know, she's all in drugs and everything, you know. So I tell them, well, let's go find her. So we go find her. She didn't even flinch. Her husband ran away, you know. And so I ask her, let's go home. She says, no, let's go home. Get in that tricycle. Go home. We got in the house. Pow. I said, you. <laughs> I don't want to say the words. You can cuss in a different language, Mom. It's you. You. <laughs> <laughs> it's something I'll play basketball. <laughs> Do you so, see how look, it was when you were 13? <laughs> look, look. I'm just gonna say I found I I found our new Thursday night show. Uh Will and I was just gonna interview your mom every fucking week. Uh this is I mean that's all we get. <laughs> Tell me about the first time you saw the snow. No, I when I, and I learned how to ski in a bunny hill. It took me one, it took me Three hours to get up to the bunny hill. <laughs> In Iowa, they don't have no... The bunny hill. Oh, my gosh. People say, oh, my gosh, what is she doing? Well, I'm trying to get up there, and I, every time I tried, I fall. Oh, my gosh. Took me three hours. We, we need to go bunny hill. <laughs> Oh, my God. I usually cut cut these off at an hour, but I'll let this go on for another 20 minutes because I love this. This is my new favorite part. (laughs) The bunny hill? The stories. We talk about the same things all the time with each other. And and I've I've literally ran a campaign off of telling my mom's story, right? You guys, she's here. She can ask whatever the hell you want. (laughs) So my, my podcast. His grandpa is his grandpa is the best. He taught her him how to play Russian poker at four years old. Three. Three? Three years old. Russian poker, three years old. Thirteen cards in your hands. Yeah. Yeah, uh, my grandpa was like, he's not much bigger, he's five foot two. He would when he came to America, they would um oh so the same year my grandfather comes to America, my mom brings him here. My sister has her birthday. No, it's your, your dad. Oh, so maybe the next year, my sister's birthday, my uncle comes and brings rabbits for my sister as, oh. as pets. But my grandfather doesn't culturally understand or recognize that in America, you can keep rabbits as pets in your home. So tell him what grandpa did. <laughs> Rabbits too. Oh. 
so so can I tell you a story that my grandmother's told me and my great grandmother confirmed? So my great grandmother has passed uh, since since passed. She was uh she was in her nineties when she uh when she died. But there was a story my grandmother told me where she didn't fully under she didn't fully appreciate this the like the 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 like the statement I'm gonna wring your neck like a chicken or a, you know wring your neck right. So when she was a kid, uh, her 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 mom would always say my great grandmother would say I'm gonna wring your neck. And uh, one day she finally seen it. Like she, like uh, my great grandmother went outside and grabbed a chicken by its head and just bring his neck around. Yeah, until it snapped off. Yeah, until it snapped off, and then the chicken takes off running. And my grandmother from that day was terrified that she would do that to her. And so, so like she, so that not so my my grandmother and her sister would always feed the chickens. They loved the chickens, and you know they would feed them and name them and all this stuff. And then watching that chicken get its head ripped off by this little old lady who was like four foot ten, four foot eleven. She was she was like she was minuscule. But she grabbed this chicken and rang its head off like it was nothing. And uh every time she was saying, I'm gonna wring your neck, they lost it. And they yeah, and they didn't eat dinner that night. Like they were terrified of eating it because they they fed the chicken and they raised it and they they loved that chicken and all that stuff, but Oh god, these these old uh, these old stories. I I I love them. It's it's amazing. Those are the so, best stories, isn't it? <laughs> yes, ma'am. And I thank you so much for sharing them tonight. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Anytime you can have her on. Anytime she's she's going to be retired soon, so she might have things to do. Not might not have as much to do. <laughs> oh no, I play cards. She oh man. I play mahjong. You, know you play, yeah. I play mahjong. You play rummy. Yeah. I got okay. a new rummy partner. Okay. Hey, so mom, in 2024, we're all going to be in Washington D.C. You can come with us and show us where everything is. You know what? I guess I, I have to tell you, the very first time I lived in uh, Oxon Hill, Maryland, the very first time, and I went. You know, I went to work over there. I have to be a, I guess I have to be a racist because the only people I see over there is like 10 out of, 9 out of 10 are all black. And I cannot understand why. <laughs> I don't think that's how that works. I think only white people can be racist in America anymore. But hey, um, I appreciate you. <laughs> I am. But, <laughs> you're not, but. <laughs> oh, gosh. So let's be clear to the, to the viewers. <laughs> I didn't know. I'm My mom couldn't Ch even marry a white man until she was like, until like the 70s. <laughs> Ch Kelly's mom just admitted to being a racist. <laughs> Dude, shit, it's so funny. I'm All sorry. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, look, I loved all of this. Mama, thank you for coming on the show tonight. Kelly, thank you so much for bringing your mom on the show. Uh, Kelly, thank you for being on the show, man. I love you to death. You're an awesome dude. It's always a fun time when you come on. Zach, you're one of the smartest fucking people I've met, man. It's like... <laughs> 
I don't know why. I don't know how Kelly talked you coming on to this shit show, but dude, you're fucking awesome. I love you. And oh, thanks uh, for letting me come on. Yeah, man, it's awesome. What happened with you? Why are you not online? Exactly. Oh, my camera is working out right. If it works. Yeah. <laughs> She's yeah. like, you better do this. I Let's see. There we go. Yeah. Red, red bird. Blonde. Blonde. Yeah. What color is your beard? Brown and red. It's like I'm like a calico cat, man. I'm like every kind of <laughs> European. Yeah. Blonde, brown, red. You know, uh, when I used to be a waitress in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, in a Chinese restaurant, all of these people will ask me, where are you from? I said, I'm American. No, where are you from? No, I'm American. Well, where do you have an accent? Don't you know? I color my hair red. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm American, and then they always call me slow boat. I'm I'm from slow boat to China. Come here. There you the go. Slow boat from China. So I tell him what? She actually came in a C forty seven, but. <laughs> <laughs> If she wasn't a refugee, just so anyone's wondering. She was not a refugee. <laughs> but that's what he always tell me. Are you coming from China? Is Lobot to Ch uh, from China? No. But I let it go. <laughs> you know? Will is going to be so fucking, fucking mad he missed all of this. So Will's going to be even more mad because, Mom, tell him where your first in-laws were from. Oklahoma. <laughs> They're from Oklahoma. Yeah. So Will's his guest host. He's from Oklahoma. Oh, really? Yeah. So he would have loved talking to you. He, he, my mom made, when I was to get you, would make us chocolate pudding and biscuits. Yeah. It's a very Oklahoma thing. <laughs> yep. So, like, I grew up spoiled, man. So my mom makes my mom makes Filipino food, of course. She makes her, her first food when she came to America was Southern Oklahoma style cooking. Yeah. So man, she I I was eating everything when I was a kid. I got to eat so much delicious food. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, we just have to go back to basics, you know. They are more racist now than than back there, then, you know. A lot, a lot of people. You just look at them now, they'll they'll claim you're racist. You're looking at them differently. You know, that's not right. It's not right, you know. Then I don't. Yes, cuss. I was telling them earlier that you only cuss in Tagalog. You never cuss in English. When I have people coming into my store and they start cussing at me, I tell them to get out of my store. <laughs> yes. Yep. No, my mom's about property yes. rights. So what happened? You know, so when she. We just had an election in the Philippines where we reelected a dictator's son. Yeah. And Marcus. my mom cannot believe it. She's like, how do we keep electing these dictators? <laughs> so we get property rights. Come on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're, they're, they're stupid. People are stupid. <laughs> I told my uh, nieces and nephew, you know, because, because now 
Now they're saying that everything in the Philippines is expensive, right? But of course, mm. it's there too. But why do you uh, really? Why why do you elect someone that's already been a dictator, son of a dictator? Why? So, mom, tell us what, what do you think about like politics in America? Since from the time you were 18 and it was completely new to now, do you think it's more representative or less representative? Do you feel more representative or less represented by your politicians? I am least representative, represented, whatever. Today than you were 30 years ago? Mm -hmm. That's saying something. Yeah. <laughs> and this inflation. You know, and what well, I think it was in '72, was it in '72 when our gas prices went up, and we have the odd and even number. Yeah, and the the uh, gas the gas shortage, and then they had the the gas lottery. Yeah. Yeah, was it in '72? We were none of us. It was, it was <laughs> seventy something. It was. I want to say it was like seventy-five, but I could be wrong. I wasn't alive then, so you probably know better than me. So. And then it was Nixon. Remember Nixon when he is saying that uh, we cannot have no more than uh, an ounce of gold. Did you hear about that? We, so he, we know that he wouldn't let us trade our money in for gold. Yes. I know that he tried to limit what we held. Yeah. So FDR banned uh, using gold as currency and then, and then basically forced people to sell their gold yeah. to the government. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. But I think uh, Nixon sounds familiar something like that. I, I had to, yeah, I had to I, go back I, and look. It's but. Nixon. And it was also Nixon, the add an even number for the gas. Wasn't it? Okay. Man. Yeah. We're all too young. Yeah, yeah. I, look, I'm... I'm lucky I remember what day of the week it is. Uh, you're asking me to remember very specific dates and time. I'm I'm lucky I remember it's Tuesday. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna be 73 in July. Yeah, yeah. still working. Still needs to work. Still owns her business. She, yeah. You know, she's adapted to have less to do, but she takes ba care of baby, babysit. Babysit. <laughs> when I have time, <laughs> I don't have to babysit the oldest, but the two little ones, I got two brats. And this so Kelly. Yes. Is, is Kelly the brat? One of the brats? He's the biggest. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mama, I appreciate you coming on the show tonight. I do. It was Thank amazing you. having you on. I'd love to have you on again. Kelly, same to you, Zach, dude. I've got an entire show that I would love to get. Like, if I can find a producer to do the show, there I've got this entire sh show called the Coliseum, where I put some of the smartest minds against each other on different opinions, on different ideas. If I can find someone to produce the show, I'd love to have you on. Uh, yeah, we can work on that. something. Fuck yeah! If you know anybody, like if you know if any of y'all know anybody who would love to be a producer for a show. Send them my way. I can't do it all anymore. I'm just done with it. But, Mama, I appreciate you coming on. Kelly, Zach, I have got to go. It's been an hour and a half. My viewers are like, I'm out. Muddy Waters is on. We're leaving. Deuces. Muddy Waters. Bye. But, uh, Bye. I appreciate it.
all y'all coming on. I love you all, and uh, y'all have a good night. And none of you are real libertarians. Goodbye. Bye.